Hey everyone, welcome back to Navigating Netflix Originals. As always, I'm Madison, and as always, I'm joined by Jamie. Hello. And welcome back to our <laughs> podcast. Before we get going today, we'd like to give a special shout out to one of our listeners um, named Annika, who sent us our second ever email to our Navigating Netflix Originals at gmail.com email address. Um, so thank you, first of all. We yes. really appreciated the love. Yes. Navigating Netflix Originals has now hit a new milestone of two emails. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it took us two years to get to this point. We're very proud. <laughs> <laughs> and second, we also feel your pain that Lovesick will probably never be renewed for a fourth season. <sighs> but that is that is the way with so many great British shows. <laughs> It's so true, and it's so sad because I just love Johnny Flynn so much. No, he's probably the holdup because he's got so much else going on in his life, and then he's the main character of Lovesick. So. Oh yeah, he's in a ton of feature films, like yeah. always. Now, and he's like produces music, and yeah, didn't he act in like a play or something? Maybe he, I'm wrong about that. He did. I saw him in New York. Yeah, you did. A couple okay. years ago. <laughs> well, my guess is that the holdup is Johnny Flynn, the main character, not wanting to, or not having time, maybe even just to, to record another season. But if you're listening, Johnny Flynn, we would really appreciate a fourth season of Love <laughs> And we'd also like you to go back to the original name of Scrotal Recall. Yeah. And also, if you're listening, just reach out to us. That'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, that would be amazing, <laughs> Johnny Flynn, if you're listening. <laughs> Um, and yes, and Annika also recommended a new show to us to watch. Um, it's called Young Royals, and she recommended watching season one, which is all that's currently available, um, but it has been renewed for a second season. So look for that in the coming weeks. We can't guarantee that it'll be next in line, but it is on our list now. So thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, thank you. I did see that a couple times in my recommended, so I will yeah, add it to the list officially and we'll get to it. We we definitely will. Um, so for today, because I didn't check this the email until after I'd already watched what we were doing for this week, <laughs> or not discussing the world this week, but we are going to be discussing the Netflix original documentary called Pray Away. And it is a new 2021 release. Yeah. And as probably most of you get from the name, it, Pray Away is obviously kind of a play on the, the phrase pray away the gay and, and the idea that conversion therapy can help change you from being or what hmm? can help period, but it, it can. can help <laughs> the idea that it can help or that it can convert you from being gay to not being gay. Um, and obviously, it's a hugely controversial idea, um, and not one that any science supports whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, what did you think of this documentary? James? Yeah. So when you suggested this, I didn't um, look up anything about the documentary. So I just literally clicked and watched. And my first assumption was that it was going to. Um, be exclusively about people who had just been in the conversion therapy and their experience within it, which right. admittedly it is. But I didn't realize that it was like all of the leadership, like basically everyone who talks had some form, some part in playing and actively sort of converting or 
Converting? Yeah, converting others. To... Or attempting to convert others. <laughs> yeah, attempting to. So I thought that was an interesting take just to see people who have changed their mind over the years, who have gone back on like, you know, the teachings that they were spouting and have seen logic, which is rare amongst people. <laughs> it's, yeah, which I think just goes to show how damaging yeah. that this therapy actually is if all of the leaders of like the ma- the major conversion therapies have come forward or not all of the leaders, but a lot of the leaders of like main organizations have come forward to say that this is harmful and they can no longer be a part of it. And here is why. Yeah. No, it's very telling. Yes. And in um, something that Netflix does in a lot of their documentaries that I really appreciate is that they try as hard as they can to show both sides of the story. They don't just, just come down hard on conversion therapy. I mean, they do come down hard on it, but they also, they do try to give stories um, uh, from people who seem to think that it helped them or or that it, that it was a good thing for their life. And I'm talking like specifically about Jeffrey, yeah. who is the, the, the one who it opens on at the beginning. Um, and it, his story is it's just very interesting to me yeah. because he seems he seems so convinced that like what he is doing is right but like he he says that he lived his life as a transgender woman for many years and then he found God and he found Jesus and he realized that this was a sinful lifestyle and has completely you know gotten rid of being transgender and has gone back to living a, a straight cisgender lifestyle and he and he praises you know religion for saving him right. and he doesn't do it in a way that is I, I'm, I'm trying to, i'm struggling with how to put this he seems yeah. very sincere i guess yes is what i'm trying to say he truly believes that his life is better now that it, or yeah. at least he seems in the documentary to feel that way. Um, which I I appreciated, I guess what I'm trying to say is that Netflix did include that side of it as well. (laughs) Yeah. And, and the main thing, the main takeaway from that is that while he is still preaching conversion therapy, he does say that like his organization, um, or his group of people that have, he's amassed are attempting to do it in a way that's very different to, um, the traditional conversion therapies. So um, it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if you can say that it's like less shamey, but it's it's not as, it doesn't seem to be as intense. Like he, he seems to be more, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting take to get to. Although I feel like for a lot of the, maybe this is just my perception being implanted upon him, but like, it seems like throughout a lot of it, he just looked kind of sad and like, not oh, fully absolutely. happy with himself, which is sad. I mean, and I don't know, like you said, if it was Netflix, the way like Netflix was yeah. trying to film it, or if he just really, he, you don't see him smile. I don't think at any point, he kind of always looks somber, but yeah. like confident that, and, that he's, right decision um but i think the worst part was like when they show him talking to a mother on the phone um who tells him that um her quote unquote son had just come out as as trans and that she can't accept that you know her son is now her daughter kind of mindset 
And instead of telling her that she needs to reach out to her child, no matter what gender they are, and and support them, he says that I think you need to stick to your faith and yeah. and basically don't contact her, which was just awful to watch. <laughs> yeah, no, that's terrible. Like that's not going to solve anything for the mother who's struggling. Um, it's not going to solve anything for the child who seeks to be understood by their mother. It's right. it's an awful. Th- thing and just yeah like and for me i mean i don't know if we've learned anything about like the what was his name again jeffrey about jeffrey's like background besides the fact that he has been converted to straight i don't does he have like any credentials besides having read the bible not that i'm aware of like if he does they are not mentioned (laughs) so it's like and that's the whole thing about this is like we learned that throughout the the process of conversion, there are some like pseudo psychologists that enter into the mix that, you know, have these beliefs and like that I can understand having some sway because at least you've, you've studied psychology. So people may attach more weight to the words that you say and to your beliefs, but to, to be like reaching out to someone just because I assume they have some sort of network and like, being like okay this person knows what i've been through and also i can't believe that like that is the result that jeffrey would want for himself for himself if like is that what he wanted when he transitioned that no right. one contact him if they didn't understand like right i have like, a hard time you- believing that <laughs> Yeah. Do you really think that isolation is the best option? I guess if it's isolation versus criticism yeah. and, you know, the only thing you're going to do is reach out and criticize and shame the person, then yes, probably not contacting them is the better option. <laughs> but no matter, you know, what their your child is going through, supporting them or at least making an honest effort to try and support them is absolutely the best option. Yeah. And I guess, um, like, the other thing I want to talk about with Jeffrey is that, like, his his choice to, I don't know, the things that he saw wrong in being a trans woman were not things that are related to being a trans woman. Like, he, he didn't, like, quote, the lifestyle because he was selling his body and he was doing right. drugs and he was doing this and that. And it's, like, there isn't a direct correlation necessarily with being trans and being a drug user and you know a um, a sex worker like nothing wrong if you are a sex worker or a drug user like it's your life you do what you want but like to use that as the reason why you needed to find jesus and like leave that lifestyle behind it's like there are a number of things that led you maybe into that path not one of which probably being lack of communication and like reaching out to people but well, That's that and just like the general belief that being transgender or be, just being part of the LGBTQ plus community, period, like has a higher correlation of being a prostitute or of being um, a drug user or being something that is, you know, the, that society views as like highly taboo or negative, mm-hmm. um, which we know is not true. So I, I think and this is just my opinion um, as far as as Jeffrey goes, that he was living a lifestyle that he was very unhappy with. um, I don't think that he enjoyed being a sex worker. I don't think he enjoyed being a drug user. And for him, all of that got tied up probably because it all probably happened around the same time that he 
was trans and and because he probably was kicked out unaccepted right. ended up selling his body getting into drugs and like all of this kind of happened together so he associates coming out as trans with all of the other aspects of his life that he didn't like um so leaving all of it was kind of like his way out of just the aspects of it that he didn't like right. um I don't know that I necessarily think he's going to be happy yeah. <laughs> as Jeff forever, but you know, maybe in 20 years, Netflix will do an updated one where he'll be on the other side of the camera. <laughs> yeah, possibly so. But, um, we shall see. Yeah. But, um, I, I do like what they didn't really touch on this at all in mm-hmm. this documentary, but since we were kind of talking about, um, the mother that Jeffrey reaches out to and advises essentially that she don't reach out to her child. I wanted to just talk for a quick moment about, um, the importance that we also recognize how hard coming yeah. out as trans is on the parents. Because I think the meat, like we give so much attention to the person coming out as trans, which we should, you know, it's their journey and it's their story. But I I have a friend whose child recently came out to them as non-binary and she is like the perfect mother, like the mother that any, you know, LGBTQ plus child could possibly wish for. She is incredibly supportive, you know, goes with her shopping to get to get their hair done um, completely supportive of, of her transition to whatever gender she or they want to be ultimately. But she's like, it's also very hard because I have to or ha- had to kind of mourn the loss of my daughter before I could embrace my new child. And mm-hmm. I don't think that we talk about that enough and give enough credit to really great parents who help their kids through that transition. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. That is. And of course, like part of that mourning process kind of is tied deeply to what we expect from the binary options, right? Like if you, if you, if you lose a daughter, you know, in that way, you kind of get this impression that you probably won't be having grandchildren. You won't, you know, like all of those things that are tied with what we expect from womanhood are, are lost to them in their eyes. Right? right. And I can understand like growing up with your child's like, especially if you have a child that maybe um, comes out a little later, because more and more children are, are coming out um, young, like very young, yeah. which is probably ultimately an easier transition for the parent because you haven't had the time maybe to build all of this expectation. Uh, and what you think what you see their life being but maybe you do that in the instant you have a child I don't know I don't have children but um, I would like to think that I would let I would be anticipating like them becoming who they want to be Um, but we're also like Madison I realize that we are people that are very much on like the liberal spectrum so spectrum so like all the way left so um, we're we're not the target audience of like this discussion but um, (laughs) either way like I, yeah, it's important that we do recognize that you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, and people are going to be upset, and I, I think that's that's a normal part of like the process. Like, yes, yeah, and I I think that I've mentioned that one other time um, on one of the other podcasts that we've done, just like the, the parents' perspective of it. But yeah. it's not something that I had ever really thought about until like this friend brought it up to me when we were we were discussing it, and it was like, yeah, you know. I can I can see how that would be something that you almost have to grieve 
in silence because you can't, you know, she doesn't want to say to her child that she's sad that, you know, she's no longer her daughter kind of thing because yeah. that like, it's unaccepting to, to, you know, say things like that. But at the same time, she has this incredible sadness within her that she's struggling to work through. Um, so right. props to all parents who are trying. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, that's the important thing is as long as you're trying yeah that's the least (laughs) yeah that's the least um one can expect of you but um we can return to the podcast okay and and, and the documentary at hand now (laughs) yes end of psa um yeah so i mean it's i just like it's so shocking to me to see like the extent to which people are still in this place where they are so unaccepting of themselves that they feel forced that they need to follow the mold of what is a cis male and cis female person. Right. Like, and I, and a lot of this obviously is tied to religion. Every single person in this is deeply religious. Like even the oh, people yeah. who have left, conversion therapy are still very religious i mean julie gets married in a catholic church like (laughs) it's it's crazy first of all that's another level of things that are crazy to me but like (laughs) in general it's just so sad to see that like I, i find it i find it very and i guess that's the thing like people who have left that and people have accepted themselves regardless of of who they are they come to the greater understanding that some of the things about religion are not as black and white as people like to pretend they are. Yes. Because forevermore, people who are anti-gay and homophobic and anti-everything else, anti-women's rights, are basically like deciding to pick and choose the facts from the Bible that they really want. And the fact that there are tons of things that are no longer pertinent to a modern society doesn't matter to them. Because anytime you bring up like, oh, you're not supposed to mix fabric, like all these random little things, they don't care. Um, But it's like these things where like you're really challenging what is the stereotypical roles of male and female is like the only thing they cling to, which is frustrating. But um, it's really sad to me that like in 2021, there are so many people and we still live in a world where being gay or being trans is something that for a large population, not as large as it used to be, but a large population of the, um, of, you know, citizens of the U S for example, that is still frowned upon or unaccepted. Yeah. I just, or at least they, they live in a society or a culture where coming out is like a risk to them to like right. their personal safety and health. Right. Yes. Um, and I think like everything you were saying, it kind of it ties back into the whole idea of like the pray away, like the idea that this is all based in religion. Like yeah. every argument against being gay or against being trans always comes back to a religious base. Like there is no scientific argument to say that you shouldn't be gay and that you shouldn't love who you want to be. It, just uh, from a scientific point of view, that's like, fine, go for it. Like all of the arguments always come back to like this religious base. And it doesn't really matter. I don't think what religion we're talking about, like this one obviously focuses on Christianity, but pretty much all religions tend to have negative views of the LGBT community, or at least tend to have 
groups within the religion that that view the LGBTQ community negatively. Right. Um, and, and how powerful like those religious beliefs can be that they can convince somebody that their body is that they are wrong to feel the way that they feel about themselves that yeah. that the religion itself can be that powerful um it's just like it's it's incredible to me but it's also not at the same time yeah. um like we, Jamie and I grew up in different households obviously we're not brother and sister <laughs> um, I don't think your family had a whole lot of religious no. like roots at all but my family like we went to church every sunday i went to vacation bible school over the summer like i was taught all of the i went to sunday school before church every sunday you know like we were all through my whole childhood for as long as i can remember like that was what we did and it wasn't something that seemed odd until I got to be in my teens and I started like questioning things. (laughs) And that's like when things started going sideways for my religious beliefs. But I remember like struggling with it so much as a teenager, like this idea of accepting that I didn't believe what was being told to me anymore, but fear, but still being afraid that that meant I was going to go to hell that because I couldn't, convince myself to believe in Christianity that meant that I was going to go to hell and I struggled with that for like a lot of years yeah yeah <laughs> and it, it because it is such a powerful thing like religion regardless of what religion it is is so powerful in a way that I don't think like if you didn't live it you can't quite understand it yeah <laughs> it's it's very controlling so i can kind of see like even like if we talk about julie for example um she seems to you know come to to accepting her herself as a lesbian she's getting married to a woman but she still doesn't leave the religion they still get married in a catholic church you know even though she realizes all the damage that conversion therapy had tried to do to her over the years she still doesn't she can't leave the religion she still believes in the religion um which surprises me and also doesn't at the same time. <laughs> right. Well, and I think the big part of religion and the thing that sort of scares people into, you know, having these, you know, being afraid of going to hell and all this stuff is that like a huge part and what makes leaving religion difficult is that a huge part of religion is community. And so yeah. you spend all of this time. And in the case of Christianity and other religions too, um, you're basically indoctrinated from youth because you don't get a choice whether or not you go to, Very true. you know, <laughs> to church, you just go. And if your family's religious and that's, you know, the end point. Um, but you spend all this time building up this community. And then when you're told that if you do not fall along with community standards, you will never see those people again. So it's like, it's not a risk necessarily of like, for some, you know, maybe it's the idea of like letting down God or whatever, but the real risk comes with losing those connections. Um, And for religion to have that as a basis of, you know, as as an important feature that like, if you do not follow by our guidelines, you are shunned, you are removed. I just find that completely absurd. Like that is not a healthy community. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> At all. And that's like the big thing I hear people say when they like used to be religious, they like miss the community aspect. And I'm like, I get that. But there are healthy communities that you could be participating in. 
you know? Um, That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know of a, of a good substitute for like a religious community. Right. You have the Um, shared belief and all that. Yeah. Well, there's that, but there's also just like the idea that you have something to do every Sunday morning. Right. clothes on and you go to church and you drink coffee and eat donuts with your friends and then you go to Sunday school and yeah. you go to go to the service and there's like this routine aspect and you yeah. do it every week with the same people um, and I don't think that there's a lot of other groups that like go and, and like and you do and I have a lot of like deep discussions obviously they're religiously based but it's so it's also very engaging where you have you know meaningful deep discussions and connections with people in that group too which is not something you're going to get from most other activities as well <laughs> true yeah that's true you can start recording a podcast on a really commercial <laughs> netflix originals with <laughs> then you, you could. can have good in-depth conversations once a week <laughs> that's true that is true but yeah yeah but yeah so i mean uh, it's uh, it's just an interesting side of sort of split that people that people in documentary have realized the problematic nature of things, but still hang on to the religious aspect. Still hang on to the religious aspect of it because it's yeah. And I can I, I get it at the same time because it's so hard to like unteach yourself that idea that and it's it's this fear of well, what if I am wrong? What if right? What if this religion is the one right religion and I am choosing to leave it. Cause you don't, like you said, you don't really, when you're a kid, you don't choose to become religious. You just are brought up in that lifestyle without getting a say in it. So you actually have to like consciously <laughs> choose to leave the religion or, or to, to stop believing in that. And of course, that's something that you're taught right from the beginning. Like, if you choose to, to, you know, turn against God, you know, you're going to hell. Right. (laughs) Religion has a lot of very, like, built-in, like, ways of convincing you not to not leave. (laughs) Right, right. It's true. I I would like to to say, too, that, like, um, I'm sure it seems, and perhaps it's accurate, that I'm shitting on religion. But um, (laughs) I want to, like, put out there first that... You know, there is absolutely nothing wrong, like, with people believing what they want to believe. Um, the only thing that, like, for me that I find problematic is when things are exclusive, like, exclusionary. Like, as long as you're accepting, like, believe what you want to be. Maybe you'll go to heaven, maybe you won't, doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's important to touch on the point, too, that, like, a lot of these negative feelings that are associated with people, the people have when they come out and find themselves in conversion therapy, too, um is also largely based, uh, largely attached to like societal expectations and stuff. So like for Madison and I, who grew up in a very small town setting, um, it's not only the fact of potentially being gay or being trans that um, is like a shock to everyone there. Um, it's any sort of othering or any sort of different that is frowned upon and then kind of treated poorly. So, you know, social setting plays a huge role. Of course, all that's deeply linked to religion. But um, but just to say okay. that, like, it may not be front-facing religion, but it may be just like, you know, like, you know, in our, in our hometowns, like, up until relatively recently, I don't think people were, like, openly traipsing around and talking about their sexuality, for example. 
Oh, I can't imagine that having happened when we were in high school at all. No. <laughs> it's like, you know, I knew like several people who I think who now are part of are openly part of the LGBTQ community who were very much like playing the straight car, like being like, I am straight, whether or not they were convincing themselves or whether or not they were, you know, doing it to save face in the community. I don't know. Um, right. But a lot of people, when they went to college, suddenly, you know, like they were, they felt comfortable opening up and being themselves, which is why like college isn't for everyone, but college can be beneficial to everyone. Right. Like you even know? if you don't need or want a degree, just getting the experience of meeting people who are not from your small town community can be very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like being like, in, I realized before college that I didn't believe what I was being told anymore, but it was mm-hmm. like during college that I was really able to kind of accept that and, and move away from religion. Um, and then later on in life, I, you know, figured out more of what my whole spirituality actually was, but that's for a whole different story. Yeah. Basically, I think very strongly that all religions are absolutely wrong because we're just dumb people who couldn't possibly understand what comes after this. Right. <laughs> we were never meant to. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's part of the, the acceptance that I think people have to go about is accepting the reality that we don't know. And well, so see, and that's, that's something I think that is very hard for people is to accept that we can't know and that we're not meant to know what happens there. People want like structure, They want to know that if I believe this and do these things, then this is where I'm going to end up. And of course, the typical heaven is, you know, an old white man standing at a gate with a long Gandalf beard and white (laughs) robes. And he judges you on whether you've been, you know, religious enough throughout your lifetime or not. And... And, and you have a human body and, and, and heaven exists in these clouds where everybody else also looks like a human, <laughs> despite the fact that we left those bodies behind when we died. Right. And it's all based around, like, humans being the most, like, important species in the universe, um, which... And, and and the belief also that Earth only is the only life that has, or the only pl- planet that has any sort of intelligent life on it, which I also disagree with. Yeah. But um, I don't remember where my point was. <laughs> uh, the point is, uh, religion. you find religions to be wrong and that everyone needs to find their own spiritual journey. Um, yeah, That comes ultimately with... Understanding my point. Yeah, and the... And the, the, the Long and short of it is that um, it's okay to not know yeah. what's going to happen. Embrace the idea that probably our human brains weren't even built with the capacity to understand what comes after this. Yep. And for all those <laughs> reasons. We'd be able to enjoy living and learning exactly. in these bodies if we knew what came next. Exactly. So but People don't like that. They don't like the not knowing. They yeah. like the structure of a religion. They do. And they like, and kind of, it's like the same thing, in my opinion, with political parties, yeah. is they don't, they like not having to make decisions. You just choose you're, this religion, so you believe these things, or you're this political affiliation, so you believe these things. You don't have to think critically about what you actually think and feel. You can just kind of go with the flow of everybody else in the group. Yeah, exactly. And it's easy. Yeah, it's easier than having to think. <laughs> it is. 
So what's... this week's assignment is everybody <laughs> go and sit for 10 minutes with all media turned off and think critically about what you actually believe. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to start giving homework, guys. I <laughs> but yeah. But coming back to the thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of, you know it's also like a lot of that comes to it that you know once you're once you realize some of these things you you realize that like part of you you know your attraction to other to your attraction to people and how you feel about yourself like all of that is just except like it's okay how it is you know like you have right. you have to come to terms with that and you need you should be okay with that and you know, this documentary goes to show that, like, even the people who were the most fervent and the most dedicated and the most the people who wanted desperately to change the most could not. That's something right. that's very, very telling. Yes. Yes, I agree. People who. And see, and like, I think that people the only way conversion therapy could sort of work for somebody would be if they truly hated the fact that they were gay and they really like wanted that aspect of themselves gone i think that religion could trick them yes. into thinking that it was possible that they would be able to get rid of that aspect of themselves by believing strongly enough and loving jesus hard enough and going to church frequently enough like you could get yeah. rid of this horrible side of yourself but I think that in order for you to stay like in that illusion, you would have to you would have to hate that part of yourself completely, yeah. which basically. is which would just turn you into a into a, like I, I feel like that would just ultimately it'd be like the sickness that's creeping in you, where you know that that's part of you, and I, how can you? <laughs> yeah, and it's tough. It's difficult. I I imagine to live a life knowing like hating a part of yourself. Um, especially in a society where like, you know, something like being gay or being trans is becoming more, more common. And people are realizing that this is a part of the human experience for some people and that there's nothing wrong with that. Like and the, it always has been. Yeah, exactly. It always has been. It's just when religion clamped its claws into things that we started being awful, but, um, and but anyway, um, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. But yes, indeed, I agree with everything Madison has said. <laughs> well, then I shall I shall continue saying more things. Please do. Um, I think that one the one of the the main groups that this whole documentary discusses is called Exodus, mm -hmm. and it was kind of like a conversion therapy group that was almost accidentally created because yeah. it was created by by a gay man who was religious and who's just wanted a group of other people who were having you know homosexual thoughts to to discuss them with in kind of a religious setting and it kind of just grew into this this huge movement or enterprise called exodus um and they say something like at the end, like the, the leaders who are discussing um, on the on the Netflix podcast are from Exodus, people who have left Exodus. And at the end, Exodus ultimately closes their doors and shuts down. But like almost simultaneously, another group forms with 
people who are just like the younger version who are picking up that torch and keeping that same movement going. And one of the leaders, you know, he basically says that as long as society sees being homosexual or being trans as as something that is negative and that is something um, that needs to be removed, some version of Exodus is always going to exist. Yeah. Exactly. Which I don't I don't know that I ever see it going away completely. <laughs> or at least not in our lifetime. No, and it's I mean there are so many people who just speak you know, we can only speak for the US because, you know, we have we don't live anywhere else. But there are so many communities and so there's so much isolation that does happen in the US that like you're always going to have pockets of communities um i'm thinking of like the breadbasket states like you're always going to think or the bible belt i have communities yeah. where religion is number one and so as yeah. long as that's a thing you're always going to have people interpreting things as they want to which means homophobia is going to exist transphobia is going to exist and there's no hope for that being deleted anytime soon i don't think that in our lifetimes it will i think that um, things will get better. I think um, things are getting better already. <laughs> things are getting better, um, despite what our administration, you know, despite what laws and things are being passed may tell us otherwise. Um, yes. But, um, you know, and of course, like my perception of how things are is skewed because I live in a very large city. So like <laughs> large cities tend to be much more accepting in, in general. Um, so, true. you know, versus um, living back home would be less so i'm sure i'm sure and, um, and it's worth it's worth noting as well i think that while there is you know certainly a lot of isolation and struggle amongst the lgbt community here in the united states there are other countries that have hit so mm. much more than the conditions that we have here even conditions like countries that you could literally be killed for just being gay yeah and I, like at a global level, like I don't know that I can ever see all of that, yeah. that hatred um, and prejudice in people going away when we have countries that are willing to kill you for loving somebody of the same gender. It's just, it, that's crazy to me. Oh, it's absolutely crazy. And I think, you know, one of the big like benefits of, for example, social media or the ability to get the word out is that, um, you know, we can slowly help chip at that isolation or like those dark thoughts people may be having in those small communities or in places where, you know, you may be killed for your, um, for who you love. Um, exposure to the fact that there are places in the world and there are communities um, that are accepting and um, accept you, as, you know, for who you are. Like it's important and I think it's a great thing that you know in today's society we are able to see that because even when we were growing up like there were no there was no access to like lgbtq clubs oh. or like any sort of community movements where you could go and feel accepted or comfortable if you uh were questioning your sexuality or doing you know anything in that regard so just I that don't... in general has been a huge yeah. stride i don't i don't remember as a kid like even being aware of the idea that somebody could be gay, like yeah. it wasn't even something that probably until high school or that, that like I had ever heard of basically, <laughs> or it was something that was talked about in like hushed tones of like, Oh yeah. Did 
oh, that so-and-so was gay kind of thing. Well, yeah, and it's it's like one of the things that's very surprising to me um, is that like even in my family where we weren't religious, um, like gay, being gay, no one ever spoke about being trans, my God. But being gay yeah. um, was something also was that was talked about in hushed tones. And it was so, yeah. so like knowing my mother now, I can't imagine that, but having lived through it, I can. Right. Um, and it's just so shocking to me that like even a quote liberal parent at the time was very like weird about it. I don't know. Well, I, I think that shows that like we can see change in our lifetime that doesn't happen, you know, week to week or month to month, but like decade to decade progress is being made in the right direction for the LGBTQ community. It's moving slowly, but that's how all lasting change moves is at a, at a slow pace. So I think that there is hope for another 50 yeah. years where things will be significantly better, especially when we look at how bad things were 50 years ago from today, that, you know, 50 years from now, it should be significantly better. Um, but there's always going to be hate. Yeah, It's just unavoidable. Unfortunately, it's part of human nature. It's true. <laughs> But, yeah. but if you're looking on, you know, how, how, how wanting to learn how you can accept yourself as you are, and especially if you're a woman, I have a book recommendation to shout out to everybody. It's called Come As You Are, and it's by Emily, and I'm not going to attempt to pronounce her last name because I'm sure I'll mess it up, but it's Emily, and then the last name is spelled N-A-G-O-S-K-I. Nagoski. Um, and it's an amazing book. It's about female health and sexuality, um, like as an overall view, but like it talks about so many issues and it talks heavily a lot about how religion has like completely entrenched in our sexuality of like moral right and wrong and stuff like that. So it's an amazing book and I highly recommend it. Awesome. <laughs> if you're looking for some place to turn for some very scientific, heavily researched advice. <laughs> there you go. Which is the type of advice you should probably be seeking anyway. Yeah, that is the type of advice <laughs> that you should be seeking about everything. So. <laughs> this one's got like 20 pages of references at the end of it, so you can go and check any fact and data that she lists. <laughs> there you go. But yeah. But yeah. Um, are there any other particular points of the documentary you'd like to talk about? Or do we want to skip to quotes? I think that we covered all of the main things that I wrote down. They cover it goes, you know, follows the storylines of a few different people. Um, but I think that we've kind of covered, talked about the overall um, points that that documentary brings up. Unless you have something else. No, I don't have anything specific. I don't think. Do you have any quotes? I do. Okay. Well, lead us off. Okay. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Is it? I and I forgot when I, to listen for it when he was talking. Is it Michael Bussy? Michael Bussy? Michael Busey? Um okay. One of the guys. Michael, I don't know. Phoebe Um Michael says at one point, um, and he was someone who was on the. I think he, he was one of the leaders of Exodus back in the day. Um, he says, "I couldn't continue to pretend that I was changing." And I couldn't continue to pretend that the people I was, quote, helping were changing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't write down the names of any of the people who said my quotes. But yeah. <laughs> my first quote is by um, one of the ex-leaders from Exodus. And she talks about how 
she struggled with her sexuality for a lot of years and wasn't religious as a child, but kind of got into religion in her late 20s. And like when she's talking about it, she says um, to go into a religious situation that is very structured and the rules are very clear, it's a relief. You know, she, like we talked about earlier, was looking for that kind of where she didn't need to make decisions. Somebody was already telling her what was right and wrong. Right. That's true. I think that might have been Yvette um, something. Um, I wrote her last name, Cantu. Um, I, mean, have been. I didn't write anybody's she name, was though. She was the older woman that was part yeah. of the documentary, yeah. She ultimately says that she's bisexual. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Yvette also had a quote that I liked towards the end, and she said, um, I absolutely thought what we were doing was right, but all it does is crush souls. It crushes people's lives. I can't stand that I was part of it, and I would hope you would have the empathy and compassion to see all of the, uh, that all it does is damage about the conversion yeah. therapy. Yeah, I can't remember who said my next quote. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it was they were talking about like why like at, at like kind of like a fundamental level, the LGBTQ community is such a threat to religions. And like one of the reasons presented was like the whole Christian church is based upon being married, being a family man and having children. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't, you're not able to fit into that structure. If, if society allows you to live outside of that structure, then like the whole kind of religious foundation begins to crumble. Right. Which is not a bad thing. Right. That's the thing too, that always gets me about those arguments is that like, they always reduce, I mean, always reduce women's role to just reproduction. Yes. And it's like, there are very, I'm sure, staunchly religious women who do not have the ability to reproduce. So like, where do they fit in the religious context is my question. But that's for another podcast episode. I can't even imagine like how much self-hate those women probably have. Oh, an enormous amount. And it's nothing you can do. Like right. some people's bodies are, and that's, I guess like you just say, like God made me this way, but in theory, you could use that for the argument for why someone is gay or bi or otherwise, you know, identifies which, anything other than cisgendered hetero. Which is kind of like the mindset that the people who move away from conversion therapy, but who remain in the church kind yeah. of, they adopt that mindset of like, God made me this way. And he loves me exactly as I am, which I guess is a much healthier mindset than, you know, God hates me for being gay, but (laughs) still within, still within that religious foundation. Yeah. And going off of um, your quote there, um, the last one I'll say is from Julie. And she says, um, the problem is they think whole and healthy is fitting ourselves into something we can't be. That was the last quote that I have. Ah. <laughs> there we go. Good one. <laughs> great minds, great minds. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much the long and short and all of our opinions people may not have wanted on Pray Away. <laughs> but you know, if you listen to our podcast, you're going to get all of our opinions that you never wanted or thought we would have. <laughs> so you came into this well aware of that. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> Um, the only other thing I want to say is at the very end, after the documentary closes out, they put a couple of um, statistics up on the screen, yeah. and it said that more than 700,000 people have gone through some form of conversion therapy in the United States so far, and that these people were twice as likely to attempt suicide. Which is... So I think that right there speaks for itself. Yeah, that speaks volumes. 
Oh, on that yes. note, um, <laughs> definitely recommend watching this documentary, um, yes. regardless of what your religious religious feelings are or what your feelings about the LGBT community are. I think it is always important to try and educate yourself both with science and with other people's experiences. Um, so I definitely highly recommend this documentary. Absolutely. And, you know, just be willing to sit and listen to people with yes. an open mind and open heart and um, maybe you'll learn a thing or two. Exactly. On that note, um, if you'd like to get in touch with us and send us a tweet, you can do so on Twitter at Podcast. <laughs> or if you would like to be the third person to ever send us an email, you can do so at navigatingnetflixoriginals at gmail.com. Yes. Thanks again, Annika, for getting in touch. And um, as suggested, uh, next time or soon in the near future, we will aim to discuss um, Young Royals, was it? Yes, Young Royals. Young and Royals. It just has to do with our scheduling. It's it's a series, um, so it's more watching for us. Um, but it's a relatively short series, comparative to some of the ones that we would like to watch. Um, yes. So I think we should be able to get it done within the next week or two. <laughs> Excellent. And as always, we accept all recommendations. So please send them our way. And it's likely we will watch them if you recommend them to us, because nobody ever recommends things to us. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Alrighty. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And... Uh, See you next time. Bye. Bye.